1 Corinthians chapter number 1. We're going to start reading in verse number 18 and read down through verse number 25. And so uh, if you'll just kind of follow along with us. Uh, not an unusual message tonight, but one that uh, that uh, kind of... Uh, well, we'll go through it and then I'll, I'll get there. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews, a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks, foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And we could go on and read uh, some similar uh, words down through verse number 31, but we'll stop and pray very quickly and then get into the message. Father, we once again thank you for this place, thank you for these people, thank you for your word. We pray now that you'd help us to preach your word. I ask you that you'd give us a boldness. Lord, I pray that you'd give us wisdom and discernment in the message. Father, we thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I've struggled with the title of the message. I don't know if I've got it right or not, but I'll just call it, What Do We Have to Offer? What do we have to offer? And uh, I get this from verse number 23. Uh, and I can't, can't go back right now, but verse 23 says, but we preach Christ crucified. And so I don't have an, an introduction. Somebody say amen right there. But, so we're fixing to get right into it, but there's some times that I wonder, uh, with all the things that, that society, all the things that the world has to offer our children, has to offer our husbands, our wives, our, our families, what do we have to offer? Uh, as far as the church goes, as far as a believer goes. And so I'm just going to give you three simple things right out of these passages that I hope that will encourage you. Number one, what do we have to offer? We can offer the preaching of the cross. Look with me again in verse number 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. Now, if you've been here any length of time, you know when I see the word power of God, I'm going to automatically go back to Romans chapter 1, verse number 16. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. And so that is that dynamite. We'll mention those some things about that here in just a moment. But what do we have to offer? Well, the power or the preaching of the cross. Now, notice in the verse here that there is the preaching of the cross to those that perish and to those that are saved. And so there are two groups that accept the preaching of the cross. 
There are those that perish and they accept the cross or the preaching of the cross as foolishness. But these that perish, the, the scripture indicates uh, throughout this passage <coughs> so far that these are those people that are walking contrary to God. These people, if I could say it like, like we would in the church, these that are lost, these people that do not have a relationship with Christ. And so, uh, they are one of the groups that accept the preaching of the cross, but they accept it as foolishness. The other group is those that are saved, those that are born again, those that believe in Jesus Christ, Him crucified, uh, resurrected, and coming again. And the Scripture said here in verse number 18, those of us that are saved, the preaching of the cross is the power of God. And so not only is there, are there two groups that accept it, but there, there is two ways to accept it. I mentioned it briefly there. Uh, there is that way to accept it as foolishness or folly or unworthy of belief. He says to those that perish, they accept it as folly. It's just something, it's a fairy tale. It's, it's a, it's a playground conversation. There's no depth in it. Uh, there's no truth in it. Uh, it's just foolishness. There's they're not going to waste their time believing it. But then the other way is to accept it as the power of God. It is a potent tool used by God to change the landscape of the individual uh, and the sinful nature of man. This power of God, you go back to, to Romans chapter 1, it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It's funny to me that in Romans chapter number 1, he was talking to the Jew and to the Greek. And here in 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, he's talking to the Jew and to the Greek. Now, in, in our uh, terms, when we say Greek or even Jew at this point, uh, a lot of times, especially the Greek, we, we entail everybody. That is that Gentile person. The Jewish, uh, they are of the Jewish faith and they, they know the scripture and they've heard about Moses and Abraham and, and all of those, uh, saints that are gone by. And so Paul here, he is preaching, he is, he is writing to a new church here in Corinthians and he is dealing with some things, uh, that have been told him by, what does he say over here in verse number one? Uh, he says, by God, he says, Sosthenes has brought him report of some things going on in the church at Corinth. Not only that, but if you look over in verse number 11, he says there's some things that have been told me of the house of Chloe. And so some some secrets of the church have been told now to the Apostle Paul. And he's dealing with these things and he is making a dividing line of those believers and those unbelievers in the city of Corinth. And what is going on is the believers there in Corinth, uh, they are struggling with the fact that they are trying to tell the gospel, but it is not being received. And so Paul here, he is dealing with this thought and he says that the preaching of the cross, what you and I are doing, it is going to be believed as the power of God or it is going to be believed as just foolishness. But I want you to know to keep on preaching the cross. And so what do we have to offer? We have to offer the preaching of the cross. 
I told you that this power, this dynamite, if you will, it is a potent tool used by God to change the landscape of the sinful nature of man. While doing so, while changing the sinful nature of man, uh, God also creates a new creature in the believer. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse number 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. How do you reckon that happened? By the power of God. Uh, the power of God came into that individual and obliterated the old nature and created a new nature that saved man. He says here, is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Uh, one writer said, "In this power of God, it is not an inert, inactive letter, but it is so suited to the understanding, the heart, the hopes, the fears of people, and all their great constitutional principles of action that it actually overcomes their sin and diffuses peace through the soul. The reason that you and I as believers can be in the middle of a storm and still have peace, it comes from the Word of God or that preached Word to our souls. Now, in this instance, I'm not talking about preaching here. Uh, There are times that God preaches to us in and of Himself when we open up the Word of God, when we bow our heads to pray. And so, not only is it accepted two ways, not only are there two groups that accept it, but it is also the design of God. Look with me at verse number 21. It says, It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. The foolishness of preaching pleases God. Now, I'm not talking about getting up here and telling jokes. I'm not talking about getting up here and and acting the fool. That's not what the foolishness of preaching is. The reason that we have this term in our King James Bible is because of the way society thinks of the preaching of the cross. And so as far as society thinks that it is foolishness, but the Scripture said God chose this foolishness that the world thinks it, to save those which would believe. It is designed by God. The foolishness of preaching brings contempt to the world. Uh, John Gill wrote this, This way of preaching is very impolite and unfashionable and therefore despised. It is a doctrine which is not received by the wise and learned, but has been in all ages loaded with reproach. You go back, we are not, Baptists are not reformed, okay? I need y'all to understand that. We, we did not come out of the Reformation. So we did not come out of Martin Luther and all of John Calvin. That's not where we're from. But if you go back even to those men, those days, when they were under such bondage by the Catholic Church and they began to stand up against it, they were not popular. The reason that they were not popular, one, is because they disagreed with the Catholic Church, but two, because they actually had a Bible and began studying it and preached the Bible and what Christ or who Christ was and what he could do. And so the preaching of the cross has never been, uh, never been a popular. It's never been what did John Gill said? He says it's always been impolite. It's always been unfashionable and it's always been despised and it's always been loaded with reproach. Uh, last night we were at the men's <clears throat> lost and found meeting 
And uh, some somehow or another it came up. Uh, I can't remember if it was during or right after, but we we're talking about uh, that that here at Lighthouse, uh, it, we seem to always have about the same amount of people, and the the preaching is is always the same. And it's it's not the preaching is not drawing in people from outside, and one reason is because there are a lot of and I'm not pointing fingers at other churches, not tonight at least, but there are a lot of other churches that. They preach something that is more palatable than the power of God. They preach something that is more acceptable and not near as impolite as the Word of God. And we worry about, in society, we worry about uh, uh, offending someone. But I believe the Word of God will offend a man. The Word of God will offend a man. Now, men can offend, and I've been guilty of that before. But if the Word of God offends you, then God's working on your heart. That's all there is to it. So, the foolishness of preaching is designed by God. Then, number two, what they truly need. What do we have to offer? Number one, the preaching of the cross. Number two, what do we have to offer? What they truly need. What they truly need is found here in verse number 22 and verse number 23. You see that in verse 22 that the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. Understand that any time these Jews saw God doing something, there was always a sign. When God drawed them out of bondage, there was a sign. Multiple signs from God throughout their time in the wilderness when God wanted them to do something. There was a sign. You trace it all through. There was a sign. The prophets of the day, they were able to do signs. You look at Elijah and Elisha, their ministry. You look at the vision in Isaiah chapter number 6 that Isaiah saw. And you see signs and wonders. And so it was kind of inherent in these Jews to seek for a sign. Now, I'm not trying to be overly nice to these Jews uh, because they had the Messiah with them. He walked with them. Uh, he taught. He ate at some of their tables. He preached to them. He was in their synagogue, but yet they, because of their nature, they still sought for a sign. But what they received was a stumbling block. If you look with me in verse number 23, it says in verse 22, the Jews required a sign, but it says we preach Christ crucified under the Jews, a stumbling block. Well, the reason that Paul can say this is because of Isaiah chapter number six or chapter number eight. Eight in verse number 14 and 15, it says, And he shall be for a sanctuary, but for a stone of stumbling and for a rock of offense to both the house of Israel, for a gin and for a snare to the inhabitants of Israel. And many among them shall stumble and fall and be broken and be snared and be taken. They were seeking for a sign, but the preaching of the cross was to them a stumbling block. Uh, if you go and you run a... Uh, not necessarily a race, like, but you run maybe a strongman contest, whatever those things may be. There's going to be obstacles in your way. There's going to be a, a hill to climb. There's going to be a mud puddle to go through. Uh, there's going to be a wall that you've got to scale. There's always some sort of obstacle. And what 
the only way to win that is to overcome those obstacles. And the only way to win Christ, as far as Paul was saying here, is if they truly want the Messiah, they truly want what God is going to give them, then they're going to have to get over those stumbling blocks and get to Christ. And so the reason that it was a, the preaching of the cross was a stumbling block truly was to try to test the faith of these men and women. Would they just accept it as a stumbling block? Okay, well, it's false. Well, there's something in the way that this stumbling block, it literally is a tree in the pathway, a, a stone that you can't uh, easily climb. And Paul says that the preaching of the cross was to the Jews a stumbling block. And what's sad, Brother Kurt, is they often, they went directly to the stumbling block. All they had to do was make the effort to climb over it to find Christ. But because of that, many, Isaiah said uh, in chapter number 8, he says it's a rock of offense. It's a gin for the snare to the inhabitants of Israel. And many shall stumble and fall and be broken and snared and be taken. There's a lot of these people that Paul preached to, that Peter preached to, that Titus, that Silas, that Barnabas, that John Mark, that Timothy, all of these men were preaching Christ, but yet it was a stumbling block to them. One writer said, Jehovah is a secret and sudden danger to those who walk in blind belief. Jehovah is a secret and sudden danger to those who walk in blind belief. Now y'all know I'm scared of everything. Scared of everything. Literally, my own shadow can sneak up on me and scare me. And, and, and that's the thought that I, that I take from this. There's a lot of people that are trying to find their own way and they're looking for Jehovah. But when he shows up, they don't recognize him as what they're searching for. And then they begin to stumble. So first Peter chapter number two, verse number eight, it says, now first we saw, uh, uh, here in our text in first Corinthians chapter one, Paul talks about the stumbling block. He talked about it because Isaiah talked about it hundreds of years ago. Now in first Peter chapter number two, verse number eight, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, that's that preaching of the cross, being disobedient whereunto they also were appointed. Now we look back in Romans chapter number nine, verse number 33, as it is written, behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone, a rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. All they had to do was look in their own their own scrolls, their own parchments, and they could see that that this Messiah was coming, and it would be hard for them to believe in. But if they would receive it, he said they would not be ashamed. They refused to do so. They could not believe that the prophesied Messiah would be born the way that he was born. Just in a state. They could not believe that he would come from Nazareth. They could not believe that his parents would be poor. They could not believe that his, his, his trade, if you will, would be a carpenter. They could not believe that he would dine with sinners. They could not believe that he could be killed. It's not the type of Messiah they were looking for. They were looking for a king. Others were looking for a mighty man of, 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 of valor or of might. They, he, they wanted a warrior to come and deliver them. 
But Jesus did not come that way. The Greeks, they sought wisdom. There were Greeks here in, they were in Rome, as I mentioned earlier, but they were also here in Corinth. And they were wise. They were wise because they asked questions. They read other books to find answers. They were people of philosophy. They were orators or orators, whatever it is. They were poets. They were filled with science. And they received, the scripture says, foolishness. You see, besides or, or believing in and on Christ is not about how much knowledge we gain. It's not about how many books off the library shelf that we read to gain knowledge. That's not what believing in Christ is about. It is a simple faith. It is a childlike faith. That's what brings knowledge to Christ. Now, I, I don't want to, I don't want to hinder anybody tonight, but you think about it for a moment. There's a lot of other denominations, a lot of other faiths. If you're going to pray, you've got to go to a specific place. You've got to go into that building and you've got to bow at a particular altar. You've got to say the exact right words and you've got to stay there for so long. You've got to do so much. It kind of makes sense in a secular mind that maybe God's answering their prayers because they're at the right place and they're there for the right amount of time. But it doesn't make sense that you and I, being believers, can go to God on the back of a tractor, under a truck, in the seat of a truck, on our knees, at church, at midnight, in the wee hours of the morning, in the heat of the day, in the cool of the evening, in a thunderstorm or a tornado or a hurricaneado, whatever these things are around here. It does not make any sense at all. And to those that would have wisdom of the world, that's why they can't believe. Because see, you and I, we're, yes, we may pray here at church, but we know that we can go to God anywhere, at any time. And the reason that we can believe that is because we have a simple faith. I've not one time ever laid my physical hand on God, on Jesus Christ, or the Holy Ghost. Not one time. <laughs> Try not to be cliche, but this one works pretty good. But I know He's laid His hand on me. You may not have seen the difference because you didn't know me then. But I know the difference of who I was and who Christ made me. I still remember that old man. And I know the new man. And so I understand and I believe you as believers understand the the faith. It's not something that and, and I hear about this all the time where people say, well, I got to I got to work on myself. And, and maybe this is fresh because conversation that we had. I've got to work on myself. I've got to get some things in order because I really feel like I'm ready to go to God. It, you don't have to be in order to go to God. You don't have to figure out yourself to go to God. You just got to go to God. So what do we have to offer? We have to offer what people really need. The sad thing is they don't know it. A lot of people are still seeking for signs. A lot of people are still seeking for wisdom when God freely wants to give them 
these things. First Corinthians chapter number one, verse 25. Let the, if, if you, if you turn in there, hold on to it. The message number three and last, I'll be done. The message of the cross. That's what we have to offer. The message of the cross. Look with me back in verse number 23. But we, and I, I know there's not a comma here, and I don't know if it'd be a comma in, in the first place. And I, I don't believe I'm taking anything away from the Word of God. But I want us to look at this. I want us to pause after the word Christ. But we preach Christ crucified. We preach Christ as that Messiah. We preach Christ as that man that came and walked among men. We preach Christ as that man that ate with sinners, that healed the sick, that raised the dead, that made the blind see. We preach Christ that, that He was crucified and He was mocked and, and, and He was buried and that He rose. He says we preach Christ crucified. And He says that to the Jews, it was a stumbling block. To the Greek, to those wise, it was foolishness. But what do we have to offer? We have to offer the message of the, not just the preaching of the cross as we found in verse number 18 and 19, but now we find the message of the cross. Jesus was not just the Messiah, but He was the sacrifice that God designed. He was the Lamb of God that was slain. The message of the cross is found here in verse number 24. But unto them which are called, those that heard the voice of God calling them. He says, both the Jews and the Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. The Jews were seeking for signs and God gave them the power. They were looking for mountains to move, but yet God gave them His Son who was there at creation that said, let there be light, let there be water. That's who God gave them. That's the message of the Christ of the cross. To those that were seeking wisdom, the Bible says that they gave them wisdom of God. And the wisdom of God, you can look at verse number 20, uh, verse 26, verse 27, verse 28, and you can see that God's wisdom does not make sense to man. And it never will. For two weeks I've been reading 1 Corinthians and 1 Thessalonians. And I've read it over and over again. And, and I've been trying my best to figure out there's some things at the first of 1 Corinthians that I'd really love to preach about. But I, I couldn't get beyond these verses here. That the world has so much to offer our children and our families. But what do we have to offer? We have to offer the message of the cross. Pre- uh, Paul preached Jesus Christ, but he also preached him crucified. And in his crucifixion, he says that you don't deserve it, so Christ made you worthy. In, in the cross, it doesn't make sense that someone that like Barabbas, that was doomed to die, but yet Christ took his place. We don't understand the fact that Jesus Christ, he paid the ransom, he paid the price, the penalty, whatever it is for our sin. These Jews, they understood that the sacrifice Sacrifice of lambs and of calves and of goats and turtle doves and this, that, and the other. Those are what atone for sin. But yet God sent His Son, His only begotten Son, so that whether they believed in Him or not, God would send
in him for them so that they could not depend on the blood of calves and goats, but on the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So what do we have to offer? We have the preaching of the cross. He did. If you look over verse 13, 11, 12, and 13, Paul did not preach himself. He did not preach about men. Other people seem to make a big deal about that. But he did not do that. He preached Christ. And he preached Him crucified. He began every single witness in a city. I've been reading a lot about Paul and his, his journeys into these towns. And the very first thing that he would do, Brother Kurt, is find a synagogue. Find a Jewish synagogue, because remember, he was a Pharisee. So he knew, because he was a Pharisee, Brother Jody, when he went into these Jewish synagogues, by tradition, they would offer him a time to speak. Maybe he was the secondary, maybe he was the main preacher. But yet, he got to speak. And he began to preach or to speak about the Messiah. And because Paul was a witness of the resurrected Christ, he had a little bit more insight than some of the others that may have been there. So Michael, he began in the synagogue, and in Acts chapter number 17, I believe it was three Saturdays, three Sabbaths in a row, he spoke to them. I think that was in Thessalonica. And after that third, people began to ask questions. People began to believe the words they were saying. What was he saying? He was preaching Christ. He was preaching Christ crucified. He promised to preach about the Messiah. The works that he did. The crucifixion, his burial, the resurrection, and his impending return. You look over in the first letter to the Corinthians. That's 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. You're going to see about Christ's return. You look over in the first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter number 4, you're going to read about Christ's return. You see that throughout Paul's writings, that he is writing about his life, his death, his resurrection, and his coming. That's what we have to offer. Paul preached Christ as the power of God. The Jews stumbled at his weakness, about his sufferings, his death. The Greeks were put off by his simplicity. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 25, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. The only thing Paul had then was the preaching of the cross. That's all he could offer. Most everybody that he came in contact with knew that he was Paul of Saul of Tarsus. Paul of Tarsus. Most everybody that he knew knew that he was a Pharisee and that he killed Christians. And now here he was preaching about the very Christ that he used to persecute. All he had was the preaching of the cross. The preaching. All he had was what Christ did for him on that road to Damascus. Amen. So what do you have to offer today? You have the preaching of the cross. So well, I'm not a preacher. You can tell about Christ. You can tell about what God did for you. You can tell about how the cross has impacted your life. All you have today, and I realize we have more references, we have more books, we have more uh, technology and things of that sort than Paul did, but with all of that burns up, we still have what Christ did for us. Amen. We still have Him Living in us. I, I love my Bible. I've had this thing from Brother Sammy Allen since 1992. I've had it rebound 
Twice, I think. I can't remember. And I feel like it's near about time because I'm getting a little scared. Some of them, some, but listen, this thing may burn up tomorrow. But I still got him. Still got him living in me. They've closed nearly every Bible bookstore. You got to buy them online or you got to, you know, find some, some, I'm not being mean, but some cheaper Bible just so you can have a Bible or give a Bible somewhere. But you know, if they stopped printing it today and every one of them disappeared from off the face of the earth, I know it would be horrible. But we cannot forget that He, Christ, dwells in us. So what do you have to offer? Well, you probably have to offer something that the world's not going to like. That the world may be offended by. But keep offering it. Because it made a change in you. And if it can make a change in some of us, knowing some of our testimonies, I guarantee you it can change somebody out there.